and welcome back to Spinal Tap Minute. We're on episode 18 of the podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and none more black eyes the movie This is Spinal Tap, one magnificent minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Sean German of 5MinutesOfMime.com. And with us today is no one. No guest. (laughs) It's just the two of us. Just the two of us. On a Wednesday, on a Wednesday night or morning or afternoon, depending on when you listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Heidi and I are here to discuss Minute 18. And we start with David uh, noticing Nigel's got gum on the end of his finger. We end with David and Nigel giving us a little acapella performance. And in between, we see David and Nigel go back and forth like an old couple, and we find out uh, they were old school friends. So they go all the way back to Squatney in 1955. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very warm, close, nice minute with Marty DeBerge is here with with our duo, our two front men, and their old, old friends, and David's ribbing Nigel a bit about this gum, and and I I swear to God, Nigel's also chewing gum at the same time. So I think he's he's double gumming it right now. <laughs> I yeah. At first, I thought, well, he's eating because that's the the explanation he gives. He's stav- saving his gum while he's eating. But we but throughout the minute and into the next minute, he continues to chew. But we never see him put any food in his mouth. So. Uh, I th- yeah, I think you're right. I think he's he's got one piece going and then another uh, on standby, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like his guitars on stage, right? He's always yeah. got a few in the back there ready. And speaking of guitars, we um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Norman's Rare Guitars t-shirts. Right. So they're real business and they did provide a lot of of the guitars for the movie so this is a great little shout out to norman's rare guitars right the scene later on where where nigel is showing off his extensive guitar collection to marty those are all on loan from uh from norman's so they're getting a little plug there with the the shirt in the movie yeah and then we see so Marty asks about an early song, or what was the first song that Nigel and David wrote together? And it, it takes them a little time to get started, but word by word, they kind of refresh their own memories or each other's memories. They end up doing a pretty good rendition, rendition I would say, for, uh, for a song that they start off not remembering. It all, just, it all just comes back pretty easily, it seems. Yeah, it seems like it's just within them. You know, when you've practiced a song for so long in your life, since, uh, you know, way back in the Squatney days, <laughs> back in old historic Squatney, <laughs> and uh, you've been singing something for a long time, it really is, you know, it reminds me of songs that my brother and I have sung since childhood. You know, it just, it just sort of, it's in your bones, it's in your blood, and it just comes out with the nice nice harmony and warmth between the two of them. It's so, like we've said many times already, this is such a naturalistic performance and it really comes through with this you know, it just feels feels very real. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and very easy. And the, the picture's dated 1955, 
and we're filming in 82. So it's been, it's been 27 years. So that's a real long-term relationship that, that these two guys have been together and performing together through that time. We even see there's a guitar in, in the picture. So we know even way back when they were, uh, they were musical and particularly the, the maturity and the sensitivity of this song, I think is noteworthy, especially in contrast to what they're doing nowadays and, and some of the songs that we haven't heard yet. Right. Um, we're, we're going to hear things like, um, like Sex Farm. Yeah. In, in particular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that their, their current work with Tap has a certain braggadocio and a certain sexual confidence, I guess, uh, is one way of putting it. And mm-hmm. a certain, you know, a kind of certain way of, of relating, of, of talking about that male-female relationship. Whereas this early work, it's very sensitive. It's, there's some insecurity in that song. We don't, I don't, we don't actually find out if she's on the 519. Right. Um, the song doesn't go through that far. But here's, a, here's someone who's waiting for their love and they're hoping she comes back. Yeah, there's that insecurity there in the beginning. And so what we see is more of a de-evolution in their lyrics rather than evolution. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if that quite counts as, um, as comedy, but it's, it's you know. In, <laughs> well, in, I do think sex farm is comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think it goes to, and I, I I try not to harp on the same things every minute to kind of keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. But I just see these very strong strong themes in in the movie and the action, but also just the strong work in the movie itself. And I think it's it's another one of those times where it's the attention to detail that it's they're not hitting you over the head. It's subtle in terms of. The comment, the the comedy or the commentary that they're making, but it's there. Just that contrast between we've seen it between the the early television appearances that we've seen from the Thamesmen, but then also now we're seeing it through just an er- their early songwriting versus the current songwriting and where they are emotionally. Yeah, maybe there's. Yeah, the early music, like something like this, it has that um, chug chug of a train and sort of a bluesy folk blues sort of a feel to it. And and that's typical of what you might be inspired by at that time, you know, back in the late, you know, mid late 50s and mm-hmm. such. And then, um, you know, yeah, who are their musical inspirations now? What is their life inspiration in the 80s? What's are they are they aping other artists of the time or is this you know like lick my love pump that's something that's coming from a real place but sex farm woman maybe is more of a grab you know more of a grab for what they think will sell which is another mm-hmm. thing we've mentioned before too more of a strategic move than maybe something that's coming from the heart hmm yeah, so there's yeah, there's something I don't think we've we've talked about before in terms of yeah, where where their motivation is coming from as artists and songwriters and where the lyrics are coming from. That maybe maybe they feel some pressure or expectation to take a different tact and now they're 
they're the you know rock they're rock and roll stars and they're playing these um, or they were playing big venues or bigger venues but they're still playing these concerts and they've got lots of adoring fans and they they feel that expectation to be they should have ego and they should be confident and they can't show weakness that when you've got when you've got a thousand or fifteen hundred people that have paid to see you and they're cheering and they're they're on their feet and you're up on stage that they don't want to see they don't want you questioning they don't want you to be insecure because then they question well gee why did I why am I here if he's not sure why he's here then then what am I doing so they feel that pressure to be maybe that's where that's coming from so maybe that yeah that sensitivity it's still there and I think I don't know if they've They've, I don't think they've touched on it yet, but I know Nigel and David and, and, and certainly Derek will, will touch upon it much later in the movie, that part of the life of the traveling musician and the, the, the rock and roll performer is to be in a bit of a bubble or a bit of a museum exhibit to right. be, you know, the arrested development. They're living this adolescent dream where their only responsibility is to perform and play music. That's all they need to do is play music and everyone, there's someone to take care of everything else, it seems. So that state of arrested development, they're in that bubble in that state of arrested development. And what we see here when they, when they go back to remember this first song that they wrote together, it's a, it's a more sincere form of immaturity it's that that time when they really were young and they really were innocent and it wasn't the protective bubble it was they were young guys just starting out forming their first band writing their first song and maybe that's why this minute that rolls into next minute where they're doing this song maybe that's why it it affects at least it affected me on a more uh, you know a more emotional level than the rest of the movie yeah yeah and i think just as just it reminds me of another movie that I think I, I was starting to talk about it on another minute. We might have cut it out because I was forgetting the names of the people in it and all this different stuff. But it's this fantastic movie that came out last year called Sing Street. And it's it is fictional, but it's it's grounded in reality. It's not a comedy, although there's a lot of funny stuff in it, but it's a bit more of a drama. And it's it's about a boy growing up in Dublin in the 80s, mm-hmm. and um, he escapes, it says he escapes his strained family life by starting a band uh, to impress the mysterious girl he likes. But I mean, he's, he does, that is true. He is starting starting it because he meets this cute girl that he wants to like put in his band videos, but it's really because he's a songwriter and he he's like 15 or so and gathers together some other, you know, teen boys and they all um, start a kind of new wave inspired band. And his older brother is always um, turning him on to different vinyl and he's inspired by all these different artists. Um, kind of in the new wave zone um, in the in the 80s. The music is really good. The story is fantastic. And it's just, it's a great kind of companion to this little moment here of them thinking about being that age. And when you're getting out your acoustic guitar and singing about girls and yeah, love it. Sing Street. It's so fantastic. And uh, I think it's on Netflix streaming. 
Uh, it also looks like on Amazon, you can watch it for $1.99 on Amazon, but oh my gosh, really um, evocative of that time. I mean, I was, I was really into um, that kind of music and my, I was uh, really into Blondie and The Clash and X and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen and Elvis Costello in high school and a, a bazillion other bands. But uh, my best girlfriend, Penny, she had an older brother. And so he was one of the people who was really, um, you know, he is the person that turned us on to some of these these uh, artists that we wouldn't have known about. And also I had mentioned that Foggy Mountain Music, that record shop in Grass Valley and those guys, you know, they said, hey, you know, if you like this, we think you'll like this and would kind of be our shepherds into the weird and wonderful new wave scene. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I think that's, I remember seeing the the trailers, the advertisements and not being sure what to make of it. But the way you describe it, it, it sounds really good. And maybe just one of those movies like, you know, like a Princess Bride or Office Space, in that the they don't always know how to advertise. the The studios don't always know how to sell a movie, and and some movies just don't lend themselves to, uh, you know, a thirty second commercial or a short trailer. I certainly remember the, seeing the movie out and and not having any interest. But again, uh, you've done a much better job to sell it than than oh, the good. studio did. <laughs> and so, I think uh, Doug, I think Doug Benson mentioned it on Doug Loves Movies. And I've definitely, um, you know, I've mentioned that podcast before. And it's a very popular podcast, but he's great at getting on uh, different directors or, mm-hmm. um, you know, people who are in or part of, you know, movie making world and talking. He's He's always pumping up movies that maybe didn't get the full attention and there's just so much there's so much stuff out there now it's wonderful but it can be quite overwhelming so yeah that's another reason i love getting podcasts pod Mm -hmm. uh, getting recommendations from podcasts because people are kind of bringing in their personal experience with it right right that's just like an interesting area in terms of the kind of the a musical mentor or someone in your life when you're young someone who's going to introduce you to you know different type of types of music and kind of usher you into adulthood as you know as a music fan or as a listener i think about it because in my life my sister played that role hmm. in a lot of ways and we're very different in almost every way we don't really have a lot in common and we don't have the same tastes in movies or books or, or most other arts or, or leisure activities. We don't share any hobbies or, or anything. But And I didn't realize it at the time. It's only relatively recently looking back on it, I realized how much I gained from, from the music she was listening to. My sister's two and a half years older than I am. So she was one of those figures in my life as someone who was older. And she was into... And I don't know how she got into it or how she got her hands on some of these things. But for example, we had or she had the original 12 inch of the Sugar Hill Gang, hmm. which is, I, th- I think, the first rap record when rap was, yeah, you know, was underground, was not, certainly wasn't charting, certainly wasn't available in in most corner record shops. It certainly wasn't being carried by, by Kmart or Sears. Right. Uh, somehow she had that, that original 12 inch. And that was my first introduction to, to, to rap and then to hip hop and became a, a really strong interest of mine in terms of the music I listened to. And, and I've gone through 
there's a lot of other stuff I listen to in, in different bands, and I'm definitely someone who th- these days is is more into rock and roll, but I still have a very strong interest and love for um, for that old school hip hop and, and rap. And, cool. You know, so that kind of goes back to uh, to getting that from my sister. So certainly, yeah, if if there's a movie of they're touching on that in Sing Street of someone playing that role of of introducing the next generation to uh, to what's out there musically, that's something I'd be interested in. Yeah, check it out. Heidi's hot pick. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good, and that that's one of the things that uh, that we've been trying to do, and I, and I think you you state why we do it. Um, asking our guests for uh, for their recommendations and, and getting their interests in in documentaries and and music related things because yeah, like you said, there's so much out there. You need a filter. You need someone. Um, hopefully, people you trust, and hopefully, we've we've established that trust that we know something at least about you know what's good and what's not in terms yeah, of recommendations. <laughs> it's all relative, right? Yeah, it's but, it's all yeah. relative. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's see. Is there anything else we want to touch on on this minute? I feel like, you know, it's been really nice to have just the two of us here, a little break between all of our, our wonderful guests. And we've got some, as I always say, some awesome guests coming up. And it's so true. And I'm so excited to share some future minutes with some other folks. But any, anything else about minute 18? No, I think... I think we're good. Now we're going to continue this tomorrow. There's a, with a little bit more of, uh, of Nigel and David and, and Marty in, uh, in this restaurant, but I think we're good on, on 18. Cool. Now, before we wrap up, I just, I want to touch, I know one of the questions we ask our guests, uh, are for recommendations on musical documentaries and, and rockumentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have some time to a couple more minutes to hang out, there was something I was thinking of that I don't think we've brought up yet. Okay. Um, and that is the documentary on tower records. Oh yeah. I haven't watched that yet. I was wondering because I think you've mentioned that you worked in a record store. I actually worked for tower records, but at, at their at Bayside Distribution, mm-hmm. which is a, a part of Tower Records, but Bayside specifically um, distributed uh, more of the independent labels of oh. books, comic books, music, and um, yeah. So yeah, I worked for Tower. I worked out in West Sacramento, so I was out there when um, they still had Pulse, their Pulse magazine. I mm-hmm. was out there during the death of Pulse magazine. I definitely... There's a lot of crazy tower stories that uh, I, I really would love to get some tower people in here because there's some crazy stories. Well, so you should, you but definitely need to see this. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it yet. I, I really want to see it. I just, it kind of s- slipped through my my fingers and I just haven't made yeah, it Yeah, it's really good. I, I grew up on the East Coast and we had tower records and I just thought it was... And a little bit it was, by the time it reached us, it was like a Sam Goody or any other large national chain right. of record stores. So, you know, seeing their beginnings, seeing the origins in Sacramento mm-hmm. um, and learning about some of the people involved and then kind of seeing their end and and, and what came after uh, was really interesting. So one, a, a thousand percent, recommend to someone who worked at Tower Records or one of their affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
just to anyone in general who was around or is curious about record stores. Um, certainly anyone who's enthusiastic about about vinyl and, and, and record stores and stuff. But uh, yeah, so that that's my recommendation for today. Awesome. I'm glad you put that All things out must there, pass. Yeah. Cool. Well, excellent. Well, thank you everyone for joining Sean and I on this little interlude of just the two of us on episode 18 of Spinal Tap Minute. You can find us at SpinalTapMinute.com and subscribe and do all that jolly good stuff. And uh, where else can people find us? Well, you can also uh, flip on over to the Facebooks where we have a little thing we like to call the Spinal Tap Minute Groupies Lounge. It's our own little group where you can kind of chat with us and other listeners. So uh, swing on by there. And you can also leave us a message on the Spinal Tap Minute hotline. And that's at 419-TAP-TAP-6. So that's 419-827-8276. And uh, you can let us know how you think we're doing. And if you've got uh, maybe a rockumentary recommendation or a crazy, funny, real-life Spinal Tap moment story you can share with us. and. Uh, if we like what you have to say, we may share it on a future episode. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, so wrapping it up for uh, myself and Heidi. Until next time, and so say all of us, tap, tap into, into America. America. <laughs>